the 200 level episode 217 mike carpenter in the basement studios for a midweek podcast as of yet untitled i i don't know what to call this thing so we'll let the podcast go naturally and then figure something out we will get back to the midweek podcast especially as basketball season is getting closer full disclosure last week was just crazy with school and now i feel like i got kind of all my ducks in a row, and we're ready to do the two podcasts a week, as we had been doing every week before last week. So apologies for that. But as we get back in the swing of things, we got plenty of football and basketball to talk about. I'm excited for Saturday. Against my better judgment, I'm excited for Saturday. And part of it is extracurricular. We got a huge tailgate, and we are going to be in the south west corner of Lot 31. So come say hi. Uh, you, You can spot me. My face isn't that different from my Twitter profile. So I'll be around. Come say hi. And we will be out there bright and early and just kind of spending all day on what looks to be an absolutely gorgeous late summer afternoon. 82 degrees, sunny, nice breeze out of the south, no rain in the forecast. So it can't get much better than that on October 9th. And on top of that, you have an opportunity. If you're Illinois, you really do. I know Vegas is not really favoring you, nor would they. I mean, there's not any rational reason why they would be, but this spread started at Wisconsin minus eight and a half, and it has moved all the way to 10, and I would expect it probably in somewhere 10 and a half or 11. And I think that makes sense. I could see a 24 to 13 loss to this Wisconsin team, no matter how much Wisconsin struggled. But it is a unique opportunity to not just get back into the very... Um, I don't know, flimsy bull argument or bull conversation. And I say flimsy. I don't think that's in all likelihood going to happen for this team. Everything would have to go right. But it would at least give the fan base a little shot of adrenaline. Because as I said here today, it's not so much about finding your way to a bowl game because that's probably not going to happen. You just cannot start one and four. And that's why I really hated that Maryland and Purdue game. I thought that this team, for all their flaws, still could have found their way to six wins if they just got one of those. Well, you didn't. So how do you get people invested again? And how do you get them interested again? And I think beating Wisconsin, even in a down year, for the second time in two homecoming tries, would go a long way. I think it would say that you were not as far off as maybe you thought, and that this doesn't need to be a full-on rebuild where years two and three are just bottom of the Big Ten barrel. And I think we kind of need it as a fan base, at least in regards to football. I think we need something. We need a shot of energy, and I don't know if this team is capable of a shot of energy, not not the way they play. So it really just comes down to eking out wins any way, shape, or form. And Wisconsin, the way they're playing, gives you that chance. There is the possibility that Wisconsin comes out uber pissed off, and that would not probably end well for Illinois. I would say the chances of that are probably 25-30%. You get uber pissed off Wisconsin and things just go poorly. I think there's another 30% chance where you just play a very slow, kind of boring game, and Wisconsin... It's it's still a program in a lot of ways that you are not yet, and that even without Graham Mertz and without, I think, a few other guys, um, and, and maybe their worst team in quite some time, they're still just a better program than you. But then there's that other 30% that I don't know quite what to make of this game. And within that 30% wild card is like 10% where I just think Illinois wins. I just think they win because there are little signs of hope, specifically Illinois' run defense, the fact that you would not be playing Graham Mertz in all likelihood on the other side, and that you have two really good running backs. And if we go back to, let's say, 2018, 
when Minnesota came to town. That Minnesota team was not bad. And you smoke them. I look at this Wisconsin team. They're probably better than their record indicates. But if you just happen to get a once-in-a-lifetime day from Josh McRae and Chase Brown, you could win this thing, even if Wisconsin doesn't play terribly. So it is going to be, I think, a rather fast game because both teams are just going to try to run. They're going to be rather vanilla. And I'm just hoping that around 5 o'clock or somewhere late in the third quarter and like, holy crap, we could win this thing. Give me that. You know, at this point, it's not so much about making a bowl, but I will take any sort of intrigue that they can offer in this final month and a half of the season. And that's basically what we have left, a month and a half. October 9th, then you get a bye week, and then it's Penn State on the 23rd, and then your second-to-last home game on October 30th against Rutgers. But win this, at least the Rutgers game on Halloween weekend, could have a little bit of juice to try to get to three wins assuming that you would not beat, or I guess that'd be four wins if you beat Wisconsin and assuming that you lose to Penn State. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Wisconsin, great defense. Um, Another thing to consider with Wisconsin too, they are one and three, but who have they lost to? Notre Dame, even if Notre Dame is not a bona fide top 10 team, is still easily a top 20 team. So that's not exactly a bad loss, and it got away from them late in what was otherwise a competitive game. Michigan, same thing. Uh, I don't know if they're a bona fide top 10 team, but they're certainly top 20, and that game just kind of got away from Wisconsin late. That seems to be the pattern. And then the opening week against Penn State. Illinois has not played any team close to Penn State, Notre Dame, or Michigan. They haven't. So it might be a case where this is... Um, you know, the transitive property doesn't really apply here because we can't say, well, Illinois has a common opponent with Wisconsin. Instead, Wisconsin just has a lot tougher opponents. So the most logical explanation for why they're one and three is, well, they played good teams. The most logical explanation for why Illinois is two and four against this opening six game stretch is that they just aren't very good. So uh, by that measure, I can see why Wisconsin is starting to stretch that a little bit in terms of the spread. But you got a chance. You got a chance, however small it may be. And I would love to leave that lot around 6.30, 7 o'clock on Saturday, head back, we're having a little post-party at our house with all of our friends, and be able to celebrate the second homecoming victory in a row against Wisconsin. That would be pretty cool. All right, before we get too far into this, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. Hopefully, you can have a celebratory calzone, not just for Illinois beating Wisconsin on this homecoming weekend, but because it is the 15th anniversary of DP Doe. I remember it well when it opened up, and it has been a campus institution, but more than that, don't let that scare you away. They might be on that side of First Street, or I should say that side of Neal, but no, this is a Champaign-Urbana institution. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, whether it's a business lunch or you just want a calzone while you're watching the game at home. Order online at dpdoe.com. Dot com. Fourth and Kirby, I'm on to fourthandkirby.com. I'll have my big guy t-shirt ready to go in lot 31 on Saturday. And basketball season's coming up. So they have a ton of selection, not just of football t-shirts. God knows it's going to be 80 degrees for the next home football game too, the way this weather's going. But as you get into basketball season, great selection to choose from. Vintage-inspired Alani Apparel at fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior needs. These guys are expert craftsmen. Great customer service. You might even talk to Isaac Ambrose when you give them a call. And they are great citizens of this community as a townie myself. It's been cool to see how active Rector Construction has been. So good dudes, great stuff. Uh, take my word for it. Carp stamp of approval 
That is R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. Finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian and his staff will hook you up with State Farm prices and great personalized service. We can speak from experience with our homeowners and auto bundle from Brian Hansen at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners of the 200 level. Hey, while you get the chance, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, drop a rating and review whether it's one star or five that helps us get discovered by other Illini fans. And we appreciate all you listeners that have consistently tuned in despite a, a rather, how would we say, uninspiring start to the football season. Going back to the Charlotte game real quick and trying to find the positives and the yellow flags because there's both in that game. The positives start with the defense and the fact they pitched a shutout in the second half. And I, I really think you could argue that Wisconsin's defense, or I, excuse me, Wisconsin's offense is not exponentially better than Charlotte's right now. They do not have the normal stud running back that Wisconsin usually has. Their starting quarterback looks to be out, and I don't even know how good Graham Mertz is, despite what he did to you last year. So I think we could make an argument, and it would not be a crazy leap to say that Charlotte's offense is not a bad little trial before Wisconsin. I know it's not a Power 5 school. Wisconsin probably has more talent. And for all I know, Wisconsin's going to put everything together on Saturday and make me look like a fool. But I just don't think we're running into an offensive juggernaut. You might be running into a defensive juggernaut. So we go from a positive now to a yellow flag. The fact that Charlotte has a terrible defense. And in fact, I got to credit Steve Braun, who is at Thumpasaurus1 on Twitter and, and a fun Illini kind of commentator to follow on Twitter during the games and his post-game drinking escapades are always a, good for a chuckle or three. So this is from Steve Braun. He says, per the SP+, plus, the 100th ranked Illini offense, so that's 100th in the nation, not good, has faced the following defenses. Nebraska, somehow 20th in the nation, UTSA, 70th, Virginia, 73, Maryland, 33, Purdue, 39, and Charlotte, 123. So let me repeat that. Charlotte, 123rd ranked defense. Next up, Wisconsin, third best in the nation. And that's including 41 points they gave up to Notre Dame, and I think it was 37 or whatever to Michigan. I, I'm guessing these rankings somehow factor in garbage time. I don't know. But Wisconsin's defense clearly superior to other defenses that you face. So with that in mind, I wonder, dear God, what is Brandon Peters going to do? Or more to the point, what will he not be able to do? Because he hasn't been able to do a whole hell of a lot against even bad defenses or mediocre defenses. That is a major cause for concern. And I'm thinking, okay, first off, as we sit here on a Wednesday evening, it sounds as if Brandon Peters will still be the starter. It was not 100% confirmed, but you get Tony Peterson saying, yeah, you know, we were a few throws away. I'm thinking you were more than a few, but go on, continue, Tony. I don't know how you're going to move the ball through the air against Wisconsin. Unless something magically changes this week. I don't know how you do it. Back in 2019, you had Josh Matterbebe, so you actually had a legit wide receiving threat. You had good running backs as well. You kind of patchworked your way to however many points you got against Wisconsin that game uh, with the help of some timely turnovers on defense. But I don't see what the path is offensively to getting the 20 points that I said on Sunday's podcast. I said that is the threshold. If you get to 20 points, I think it is a 50-50 shot that you win this game on Saturday. Maybe that's ludicrous. I don't know. But I, I think 20 points can do it. So what modest expectations? For the love of God, Tony Peterson, figure out a way to scrounge 20 points against this Wisconsin 
defense. Now, one way to do that actually goes back to the Illinois defense. And maybe we can look at the fact that this Wisconsin defense late in games has sort of folded because the Wisconsin offense can't stay on the damn field. So if you happen to do the same against them, keep Wisconsin, their offense off the field and their defense on it, and maybe with your run game you can, I don't know, uh, then maybe by the fourth quarter, if you're in a one-possession game, you can somehow make the play that you need to win the game. That would be amazing, and it is not outside the realm of possibility, but it really does come down to a quarterback making a few throws, and Brandon Peters ain't making throws right now. There was the touchdown throw to Daniel Barker. Now, upon review, I don't know how he fit it in there. It was super close to being an interception, but it wasn't, so I'm not going to criticize a guy for an almost interception. It is his one one passing touchdown of the year. And, uh, but I sit here and I'm still frazzled why this is a discussion. I mean, if you could just look at the stat lines between Arthur, Arthur Sitkowski and, uh, Brandon Peters, you would see that this really shouldn't be a discussion at all. Let me just read these to you. Okay. Arthur Sitkowski, 58 completions, 102 attempts. That's a 56.9 completion percentage for 611 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. 124.6 quarterback rating, excuse me. Now, we could make the argument that there were some interceptions that poor defensive performances essentially uh, let you keep. Artur Sikowski could have four interceptions. I think it's fair to say. There were some bad throws that were mixed in there. Brandon Peters, 37 completions on 75 throws. That is less than 50%. That's a 49% completion percentage for 398 yards. That is 99 yards a game compared to Sitkowski's 203 yards per game. One touchdown, one interception, 95.6 quarterback rating. I don't understand what the discussion is here. Sitkowski did fine against the 70th-ranked UTSA offense. He did fine against the 20th-ranked Nebraska offense. And that sounds surprising. Nebraska is actually playing pretty decent football right now. Look out. Now, they'll find a way to screw it up. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised. But they look to be a bowl team when all said and done. So that's a quality win. And Sitkowski was the guy that spearheaded that win. 28 consecutive points in that game. And for some reason, the offensive coordinator just doesn't want to go back to that. You know, I, I, I say this, and I know it's a broken record, and I don't want to make this sound like the you know, piss on Brandon Peters podcast. It is bigger than just one player, but at the same time, it is within the uh, job description of Tony Peterson and Brett Bielema to put their team in the best position to win. I mean, that goes without saying. And it just doesn't feel to me that they're doing that with Brandon Peters as quarterback. So if you lose a close game on Saturday, I'm almost going to be more pissed off than if it were a blowout in Wisconsin's favor. You lose a close game and you look at the quarterback line and you see that Brandon Peters struggled mightily yet again, you're going to be thinking to yourself, why didn't you put Sitkowski in there? And that can change. Again, it's not guaranteed. Maybe they're going to pull the okie doke like the Bears did. And thank God the Bears did. Justin Fields is their new number one QB, as he should be. And uh, Sitkowski is no Justin Fields. I think we would acknowledge that. But man, one or two or three throws away from beating Maryland or Purdue. I feel like Sitkowski had one or two throws in him that Brandon Peters did not. And boy, wouldn't it be nice going into this game sitting at three and three and not two and four. Regardless, that's that's my 
soapbox about the quarterback thing. Sounds like a broken record, but I mean, it just seems like sometimes we watch these fairly obvious things, and this is why earlier this week I was pulling my hair out of the possibility the Bears were going to let Andy Dalton be the first uh, QB1 whenever he's healthy, which sounded ludicrous. Turns out that was smoke and mirrors. Maybe this is too. But, uh, oh gosh, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Fortunately, you do have a bit of a safety valve with your running backs. Chase Brown and McCray have been great. Wide receivers, Isaiah Williams is your best, even though he was missed twice while wide open in the last game. He's got 28 receptions on the year. And when you consider what the quarterback position's been, that's pretty good. 45.8 yards per game. You look at a guy like Casey Washington, 12 receptions. The disappointment's been Navarro with 10 and some drops in there as well. You just don't really have a lot of deep threats. Deuce Span, he's got four receptions on the year. He's averaging 20 yards a game. Well, okay, let me put it this way. Four receptions for 117 yards. And that kind of tells you he's the deep threat, and that's about it. I understand you don't have a ton to throw to, but I still think there's enough to be better than the 100th ranked offense in the nation. So there you go. I mean, keep it simple, right? Score 20 points. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if it's trick plays or whatever. You win this game. You give yourself an outside shot at making a bowl because there should be two home wins in Rutgers and Northwestern. Keyword should. That's no one Illinois football. It ain't a guarantee. Uh, but that would get you to five. And that would leave Minnesota because you sure as hell are not beating Penn State on the road or Iowa on the road. Two losses right there. But imagine, imagine if you go six and six by beating Wisconsin, Rutgers, Minnesota, and uh, Northwestern. That's five Big Ten wins, five and four in the Big Ten. Be hell of a first season. And you're actually at a point now where maybe losing these early games isn't all that bad if you go on to finish five and seven. You know, if you're a five and seven record, it kind of matters when you won those games. And if you won those games late, it's going to feel like there was progress, right? Even though there's nothing excusable about the Purdue or Maryland losses, but it does become a distant memory if you can go on a bit of a run late and go from one and four to five and seven. When four of your last seven, all of a sudden, I think we're feeling pretty good going into next year because, as I said last podcast, I don't think the loss of these super seniors is going to be quite as crippling as we might have thought beforehand. You're starting to see some guys emerge. So there are positives. I say all this, and it's amazing what a win can do because you know I was crapping on this team mercilessly the last time that we talked before the Charlotte game. And even the Charlotte game provided plenty of frustration, specifically the offense. I mean, just just terrible. But this is why you play the games. On any given Saturday, maybe they just figure it out. And what better time than now? Hey, uniform discussion. You know I love that. Gray Ghost uniforms are no more, according to Brett Bielema. And this was all the rage on Twitter on Monday. He said that the orange helmet is going to be part of the uniform and that there will be a uniform unveiling later this week. Now, I'll be checking Twitter to see if it happens to break during this episode. I think it'll probably come out on Thursday. I will say I am not the biggest fan of the gray ghost uniforms. Despite the fact that you beat Wisconsin in them two years ago, I don't have this sort of you know, nostalgia for them. It was a cool idea at the time, but it just doesn't do much for me. So I, I like the idea of just going back to more traditional uniforms. Maybe they got something else up their sleeves as well. But yeah, we're orange. That's your brand. So we're orange as much as you possibly can, and I'm totally fine with that. Uh, I don't have much more on the uniform front. 
maybe they got some retro stuff figured out for this weekend. I think that'd be cool for homecoming. Uh, you know, thinking about homecomings against Wisconsin, it did make me reflect on 20 years ago, that homecoming game. And it was an absolutely gorgeous, I want to say early October, mid-October day at Memorial Stadium in Illinois, I think was five and one. Wisconsin might have been ranked 24th or something like that. Maybe Brooks Bollinger was still the quarterback. And this was the Sugar Bowl year. So you had Kurt Kittner and the four NFL wide receivers and Brandon Lloyd, Walter Young, Greg Lewis, Aaron Moorhead, Eric McGoey, if you remember him on returns, and Rocky Harvey, Antonio Harris, trying to think. Jameel Cook would have been gone. So Kerry Davis was the fullback. Tony Pasho, Dave Deal, Luke Butkus. Defense, my favorite pair of safeties in Illini history, Muhammad Abdullah and Bobby Jackson. Love those guys. Illinois always seems to do well when they have good safeties. You might have one now in Kirby Joseph. You might. Cornerbacks, Eugene Wilson, my sneaky pick for favorite Illini football player of all time. Loved Eugene Wilson. Christian Morton, Jerry Schumacher in the middle, Ty Myers on the outside. I know I'm forgetting guys, especially on the D-line. I think Derek Strong. No, he was he was the Rose Bowl here. Tyrone Washington, Ty Washington. All right, so that was just name-dropping there. But the 2001 team, that Saturday was one of my favorite Illini football memories. It was a great game, of course, with the signature Brandon Lloyd catch in the corner of that end zone, which became a poster pretty much. And uh, that day, uh, I've told this story before, my dad and I are walking into the stadium and we decide to get a program. I still got it stashed away somewhere. And we see the Butkus family on what is now Grange Grove. So they're right next to the stadium. And I just go up and say, hey, Mr. Buckus, could, could I have your autograph? And he, you know, sounds like Joe Pesci fake cursing in Home Alone. But he signs it, you know, credit him, he signs it. And then my dad and I look at each other like, okay, or bad, you know, are we intruding? Um, I, I like to think I was self-aware even as a freshman in high school, but apparently not. Going to the game, it was absolutely electric in there. It was a sellout crowd. And after that win, there was that sense of, this team could go nine and two, eight and three at worst. They ended up going 10 and one. Um, you know, one thing I did not talk about on, uh, I think it was the first podcast back after the summer before that 01 team came back for their reunion with the Nebraska game. I didn't mention the Penn State game. I like glossed right over it. The Wisconsin game in October and the Penn State game in mid-November, which was a 2.30 kick, Joe Paterno and uh at that time, I think they were five and five Penn State team, or five and four, four and five. They, they needed two wins to get into a bowl game. And they were leading that game, I think 21 to seven before Kurt Kittner eventually led the team back. I think Rocky Harvey had a big run or a big screen pass, screen catch that he turned into a big gainer. Um, so I completely glossed over that. Those two games, Wisconsin and Penn State no one at home made me feel like we could be at the start of something great. Alas, <laughs> we were not. Um, but those were probably the two highlights. If I look at those games and then the two-game stretch in 07, where you beat, guess what, Penn State and Wisconsin at home in consecutive weeks. What is it about Penn State and Wisconsin home games? I mean, hell, Tim Beckman beat Penn State at home back in 2014. We beat Wisconsin, number five ranked Wisconsin in 2019 during homecoming. We'll never beat the likes of Michigan, it appears, um, at least at home when they're good. And Ohio State, well, it's going to be a while. But it seems like with those two teams, we every now and then can pull a, a rabbit out of the hat. So why not on Saturday? Just a little reflection back to that 01 season and thinking 20-year anniversary, an unseasonably warm October day, the sun shining at Memorial Stadium. I love the 230 kick. 
I love that 2.30 kick. There's something about when the sun is going down this time of year and it's like 5.30 and you're in the fourth quarter and it's a tight game, that tension builds. I mean, hell, in 2015, it was a 2.30 kick for Nebraska. Really nasty, cloudy day, so it was dark by the time the fourth quarter hit and it just adds that extra juice to it. I'd love to think that the fans in the stands, which I'm not going to be one of those. I'm watching it on TV at the tailgate. I'd love to think the fans in the stands can have an opportunity to see that kind of juice late. I really hope so. And how cool it would be to get a win. I'm putting it at 10%. I don't think that's ludicrous. I think you got a 10% chance to do it. And I don't think it's going to take a once in a lifetime kind of effort to do so. Just the way this Wisconsin team's playing. So come on, Illini. Just compete. Give yourselves a chance. Don't get embarrassed against this Wisconsin team. That would that would feel bad. And go win one for Brett. Go win one for Coach Brett. I mean, granted, he left Wisconsin on his own accord. But yeah, go out there and win one for him. All right, so we got some Illini basketball to talk about before we get out of here. They released some dates and times. And this is, uh, <laughs> this is uh, interesting as I look at some of these dates and times. We're going to have a first for Illinois basketball on Martin Luther King Day. The NBA has cornered this market on Martin Luther King Day games because they know, okay, schools are out, so you got an audience at home. Illinois basketball is going to do something similar. At 11 a.m. on Martin Luther King Day, you're going to play Purdue at home. I can't wait. Uh, I mean, I'm off school, so I'll be there. I think a lot of people just take the day off, and I think people should just have the damn day off anyways. But 11 a.m. tip-off against Purdue on Martin Luther King Day is the biggest thing that sticks out here in terms of, like, the time of the game. Uh, this, of course, is after a Friday night 8 p.m. tip-off against Michigan in which the fans will be properly lubricated and ready to kick some ass. And this this home stretch in January, Maryland on January 6th. We owe Maryland. I am tired of losing to Maryland on January 6th at 6 p.m. Michigan on the 14th, that's a Friday. At 8 p.m., Purdue on a Monday, Martin Luther King Day at 11 a.m., and then Michigan State on what would be, uh, let's see, a Tuesday night at 6 p.m. on ESPN. That's your January. And then February 2nd's Wisconsin. So what a run here. But this is the Big Ten. I mean, you don't get a lot of breaks. Northwestern home on February 13th. That's going to be a 1 p.m. game. So that's a Saturday or Sunday. And then Ohio State, another big one on the 24th of February. That's another 8 p.m. tip. And then, of course, I cannot wait for this. Full circle for me. First, Penn State is going to be on March 3rd, and that's a 6 p.m. tip. But March 6th, Iowa at 6.30 p.m. on Fox. That's the final day of Big Ten regular season play. Why this is really going to stand out for me? Because it was March 8th, 2020, when my dad and I were at the State Farm Center, and Illinois beat Iowa in one of the most awesome regular season games that I've seen there. It felt like the Illini mojo was back, 100%. I know we didn't win the Big Ten championship that year, but that game had so much juice. I keep saying juice. So much juice in the stadium that it felt like the early 2000s. Holy crap, Illinois basketball is back. So this full circle thing, essentially two years to the day when you had one of your most memorable home regular season wins of my lifetime, and I've seen a lot of good ones there, you get Iowa back at home, and that should be a winnable game without Luca Garza, unless Jordan Bohannon goes for 40. I'm so glad that little punk is back at Iowa. I like to hate them. I like to hate him. It's fun. All right, so you get things kicked off October 23rd. That's going to be a Saturday against St. Francis, an exhibition game at 8 p.m. Can't wait for that. I'll be there. 
I'm presuming that Illinois gets their butts kicked by Penn State earlier that day in football. Indiana from Pennsylvania, whatever that is, exhibition game at 7 p.m. on October 29th. And then you have quite a bit of a break before Jackson State opens things up. Time to be determined on November 9th. You have Arkansas State on November 12th. That is TBD. Those are both um, times to be determined. Big Ten Network Plus for that one. You excited? I'm going to be at the stadium, so I don't need to buy that crappy subscription. At Marquette, the Gavit Games, 6 p.m. on the 15th of November. And then the tournament right before Thanksgiving. I think it's the Tuesday and Wednesday before Thanksgiving, right? Or maybe the Monday, Tuesday. Cincinnati at 5.30 p.m., Hall of Fame Classic, and then Arkansas or Kansas State. I would rather play Arkansas. It's going to be better for your, I about said RPI. It's going to be better looking of a win than Kansas State would be. And I don't need to face Bruce Weber. I Let's just let sleeping dogs lie. UT Rio Grande Valley, time to be determined on November 26th. Notre Dame at home, Big Ten ACC Challenge, time to be determined. But we do know this for the Arizona game. Well, Rutgers on December 3rd at home, 6 p.m. And then Arizona at home on the 11th of December at 4 p.m., that's going to be a Saturday afternoon game. I love those kinds of games. It will, it will remind me of Seton Hall, which I think was a Saturday early afternoon game. There was also a Gonzaga Saturday afternoon game back in the tail end of the Bruce Weber era. And then here we go, Missouri, 8 p.m., as it should be, on December 22nd. So if you're going to that game, you can go down there, get properly drunk, as you should be at that game. That is sort of the rule. If you're going to get drunk at a game, it's got to be bragging rights, for God's sake. And it is time to kick their ass. I can't, I can't lose to Conzo again. You know, I, I, I keep kind of extolling the virtues of this team and how good I think they're going to be. And then I try to catch myself and not get overboard with it. But I, I truly am that excited about this team. I, I think that they have everything that they need. And then I see the schedule and I'm thinking, yep, 27-5, and five, Big Ten regular season champs. You know, in the preseason poll of media members, Michigan – Michigan is the pick to win the Big Ten tournament. I think Livers is gone, right? Chondi Brown is gone. Mike Smith is gone. I know you got Hunter Dickinson. I know they're media darlings. I'm not just saying this because Michigan annoys the hell out of me. I don't think they're the Big Ten champions. I think they'll be good. They're probably going to be a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. They're going to be top 20, top 15 all year. They're going to be really good. Um, But I think that we need to factor in how much they lost. Yes, Illinois lost Io and Adam Miller. But I think you replaced Adam Miller's production, and then you're counting on a jump from Andre Crabella, which I think you can get. Um, the Hunter Dickinson love, he's really, really good. But I do think that Kofi is the Big Ten Player of the Year, as did the media. He was the Big Ten Preseason Player of the Year pick, as he should be. Illinois was third in this vote, and I, I can understand why. You lose Io, you lose your best player. How are you going to be picked to win the Big Ten Tournament? Purdue second, I get that. I think Purdue, you could argue, would be the favorite. And this feels like a year where you have a loaded Big Ten and kind of, I think Gene Cady did it a few times, where Purdue, despite a loaded Big Ten, is the team that ends up on top. So I could see that as well. But I'm just buying stock in this Illinois team to win the Big Ten regular season crown. I think they do it. And I could go down the schedule and say, well, the single plays are in favor of this team or that team. I don't know if it matters. I I think that the Big Ten, the top half of it is so good, where a team like Ohio State was picked fourth, that Ohio State team? No, thanks. I mean, I'm not looking forward to playing those guys again. Hopefully, we finally figure out how to just beat them and not sweat every game out against them because that was um, those last two Ohio State games were enough to give you a heart attack. Michigan State, I think, was fifth. 
And then you get down to some interesting teams like Indiana, which I do think Indiana is going to be interesting this year, should make the tournament. And that would be a really good start for Mike Woodson. He got all those guys to basically commit to coming back. So the Big Ten front heavy, top half heavy, I should say. I think you have some games in the bottom half. Every year we get into this thing, especially on Big Ten Network. Deepest conference ever. I, I'm I'm kind of done hearing that. I, I don't buy that for a second. Um, I think that you have a lot of gimmies out there. And if you're a team the caliber of Illinois or Purdue or Michigan or Ohio State, I think there's a lot of gimmies and the top four or five teams are just going to beat up on each other and we'll see who ends up on top. But I like Illinois' chances. I love the non-conference schedule. 27-5, and five, I'm sticking with it. Good for a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I, that's how high I am on this team. I mean... It's not unreasonable, is it? I think they're going to be really good. We're close. It's October 6th as I record this. We're 17 days away from exhibition game. And uh, yeah, I'm counting the hours pretty much. I'm thinking of wearing my Kofi jersey in the lots on Saturday. It reminds me of back in 2005. So this is after the Final Four run. This is the non-conference of the 05-06 season going down to Bragging Rights. And that is peak Illinois fandom right there. Just everything feels good about wearing a D Brown jersey, walking around Union Station when that was still kind of a thing in St. Louis, and just feeling pride wearing that jersey. And with this Kofi jersey, despite being a 34-year-old man, it's the same thing. It's the sense of pride. Like, yeah, it's Illinois basketball. It's a cool brand. We're cool again. Isn't it fun to be cool? Yeah, Illinois basketball, they are cool. And they got some great dudes on it. It was fun to go back and watch a few of the clips uh, that Alana Inquirer posted a lot of these of individual player interviews back during media day. And just, it's a likable bunch. And I know last year's team, they eventually became a likable bunch, but there were parts early in the season where they were not so likable, even parts in late January where they were not so likable. This is a colorful cast of characters when you got Curbelo and Kofi as the face of the program. Those are two very colorful, almost eccentric guys. You know, you, you can't really make those guys up. They aren't boring like, a, let's see, I was watching the pregame, the wisconsin Notre Dame football game. Jack Cohn had an interview with Kirk Herbstreet. I was ready to put an ice pick in my ears. I was bored to tears. It was just, what the hell is this? Vanilla crap. Boring. Get off my TV screen. Andre Crabello, Kofi, you don't get that. And then the other guys on the team. I mean, Trent Frazier, easiest guy to root for in the world. And then you go down to these freshman kids. I mean, hearing the interviews from Luke Goody. And Melendez, um, these are cool kids, you know? So I don't know. As a 34-year-old, I'm starting to get to that age of when my dad would have been starting to take me to these basketball games. And of course, he was a big fan. But I think there is this kind of transition you make from, uh, you know, young adulthood to adulthood, where you start kind of enjoying these like you would if they were not your own kids. That sounds borderline creepy. But as a teacher, I can relate. You know, I got sixth grade students. I think a lot of them are pretty cool, you know, and as 11 and 12 year olds, they got personalities. They're funny. And then I hear these guys talk. They're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And uh, I got enough distance in terms of age where it's like, all right, come on, you young whippersnappers, go out there and get some wins. So I don't know. Listen, hope springs eternal. I'm a, I am despite my occasional diatribes when Illinois is not doing well, and God knows there's been plenty of those on the 200 level, I am really at my core an eternal optimist, especially with Illinois basketball. So let's get it done. Let's win the damn national championship or give me a final four banner. Give me a big 10 banner. Let's have some fun this year. I think they're going to, I'm going to, I think they're going to hang some banners. I do. I said that last year over and over again, and they, they will hang one. 
the Big Ten tournament banner and whatever. I mean, I'm happy for that. I'm glad they got something. We wanted more. Um, second time's the charm. So let's get it done. All right. As we incorporate basketball more and more into this podcast, I'm excited to actually get some game action for the home games. I will be at most all of them. So that means that the second half reaction podcast will mostly be an away game phenomenon, but we got the basement studio ready to go for Isaac and Trevor and myself, and we'll get that going. The Penn State football game will probably be the next live reaction podcast, though. If it's a blowout, what can you really say? But hey, if they beat Wisconsin, you bet. You bet we'll do the live reaction podcast for Penn State, and maybe they will. But we'll have a busy, not just few months, but a busy six, seven, eight months ahead of us here on the 200 level as we get back into it with the midweek pods. And uh, sometimes you'll get three podcasts a week. We'll, we'll keep them coming. Appreciate your patience after last week. Um, again, it was a long week. Back in the swing of things here in the basement studio and, and ready to go. Got to thank DP Doe. I'm on at dpdoe.com. All the best deals and prices online at dpdoe.com. And they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So whether it's a celebratory calzone after Illinois shocks the world and beats an unranked Wisconsin team on Saturday, or if it's a business lunch or anything. I mean, listen, if you live in Champaign-Urbana, they will bring the calzone piping hot to your doorstep. Order online at dpdoe.com. Also, 4th and Kirby, online at 4th and You can get great Alani swag in time for basketball season. Plenty of football apparel still left, including big guys one and two. These are taken from late 1970s football programs. Love these designs. I got big guy one. I think I probably need to invest in big guy two as well. That's at fourthandkirby.com. Got to thank Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior needs. That is rectorconstruction.com. Great craftsmanship, superior customer service, and great guys to boot. Rectorconstruction.com and State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. BrianIsMyGuy.com. All right, Rosie's barking. My voice is cracking. That is probably the cue to sign off, and we will be back on Sunday, hopefully recapping a pleasant surprise at Memorial Stadium for homecoming. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you soon. It is the 200 level.